0: These, uh, these months, I want to be focusing on identity and on calling because, as you can see, the tagline underneath the CLA days of summer is living life to the fullest. Yes, that is very cliche. Yes, we've heard that many times before, but do you actually believe, church, that that's, that's God's desire for you to live to the fullest? Um We roll our eyes sometimes because, yes, we've heard it a million times, but a full life in Christ, man, it is extraordinary. It comes with all of the chapters, with breakthroughs, with wins, with losses, with disappointments, with tragedy, but ultimately it comes with an assuredness that we are not alone, that we have a God that loves us, that is with us, that has never left us or forsaken us, excuse me. He has a desire to see each and every one find fullness in him. And I can't tell you the last time that uh, I I have been so encouraged by just this reality. It's been a long time since I've really taken the time to understand what this means or what, what God's heart is for our church And for all humanity, and of course. But there is something about a revelation of purpose and calling. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes on today. Now, we're changing things up. You can see the time uh, right now. We are specifically making space in our Sunday morning services for some community and investment. Uh, We know that we have uh, a diversity of family in this room. There is... So much that all of you are going through. Some of you drop your kids off in, in Sunday school just to have that reprieve uh, for a little bit. Well, we want to serve that and honor that continuing this morning as well. We're at around 11 o'clock. We are going to conclude our services in the summer. And we're going to have a time to go out into the lobby. There's fresh pastries and coffee. Uh, there may be ice cream coming soon as well. Not today, but soon. Uh And we just want to make space for you to to be together so you don't have to rush out for naps. You don't have to rush away for an appointment that you got to be at. But you can actually just breathe and talk and connect and care for each other while Sunday school is still going on. So they will keep your kids, and you can have an extra half hour, 25 minutes, uh, to just be with your friends and family. Who Who thinks that's a great idea? I like it. I like it. Uh, This was Devin's idea, so no credit uh, other than to her. Uh, She feels that we should take some very specific weeks here and focus in on that for you. Because some of you are coming. Yes, there's fantastic messages and worship. Thank you. But some of you are actually here for one reason, and that's friendship and connection. And you receive other things, but you're, you're desiring uh, to be with people again. You're desiring to get to know so many new faces around this room and that are watching online today. And we want to make space for that. We want to show you that that, uh, that matters to us as, as leaders. So we're going to go there. I have a few minutes of heart for you today. And this is the other part that I want to share as well that these messages are going to be in a shorter format because we're going to do part A live on Sundays, and then part B will be recorded. And you can, if you want more on the topic that we are bringing to you on a Sunday, you can tune in on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, we're still working out those details, for the rest of the message. If you feel like, wow, that was, that was good I want to go a little bit deeper in the topic or a little bit more uh, study theologically or whatever. We're going to offer part B all through the summer through the online format. And that way we have a ton of space to do what we want to do on Sunday. Who likes that idea? So we're going to take the online, thank you, Aaron, uh, the online presence and make sure that it is excellent and well delivered with good production and uh, good sound, all of those things. And start utilizing our collab studio downstairs. Cannot wait for that. Let's do a few minutes and dive into the word. May I pray before we do this, do so. Jesus, I thank you for just that sense this morning of, of, of joy and celebration. If you came here, if anyone came here today discouraged, Lord, even by this moment in our service, would you have come and just brought hope and joy and new perspective to one's heart. That's my prayer right now. Even Holy Spirit, that you would do that right now. I uh, just remind each and every one of us that we are not alone, that you are with us, that you desire to see us fully alive. I thank you that we have each other and we have family and we have community to be a part of where all can belong. Lord, we've made a lot of mistakes. We haven't done things that that's Often things don 't translate the way we desire them to because of our human nature, but Lord, would you continue to bring strategy and, and, and perspective on how to serve best, how to bring uh, our culture here at CLA to a place of of thriving, a place where no one can come in this place or, or connect with us without experiencing a culture that is, that is healthy and, 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 and vibrant and alive, full of vision and purpose. Lord, I know we, we say and we've prayed these things many times before, but there is a level of, of, of expectation on so many of our hearts to be present in this season, the local church, having a value like never before, as we pivot and as we dream and as we take risk, would you go with us, I pray. Amen. So this week, I had some very interesting um, experiences with one of my children, and uh, I'm going to keep that anonymous because I think that's only fair. Uh, We had, at times, maybe many parents in this room can relate uh, to those moments where there are. Uh, total and utter breakdowns in the home. Anybody with me? I'm not necessarily talking about the children either. <laughs> so we, we, uh, we have that often. For those of you who don't know, my wife and I, uh, Devin, uh, she is the most incredible woman, uh, resilient in so many ways. She carries herself with such great um, wisdom and, and presence And she's a phenomenal mother on top of all that she does and how she cares for our family. And uh, this week specifically, there was some moments where where I started to recognize a little bit of breakdown in one of our kids. And as a dad does, we try to make space for for those moments where the experience of the, the evening... Helps to get our attention. Who knows what I'm talking about? And it could be a friend or but sp- whatever. Like the context is irrelevant. But having an understanding that someone in your life that you love is not okay. Uh, just remember, don't avoid that, but lean in and try to bring help and care to that person. Uh, I'm certainly not perfect at, at that, and the, God is teaching me to to be more open myself about about my life and and the things that that, that are going on in the intimate places of who i am with those that i trust but often what happens is god gives us the, the highlight moment where he says okay this is this is a this is a time to to invest because I, I actually believe that we have those moments where life comes down to those the series of this is the moment and i had one of those this week where i got to spend a little bit of convert time of conversation and dialogue where there were tears, and there was anger, and there was frustration. But it basically came down to this idea that, that Dad, I feel like I, I can only be my true self when I'm with you and Mom. And in other places, I just am trying to find my, my identity. Maybe it wasn't said like that, but trying to find myself and who I am. And I feel like i got to put on a little bit of a, a front And it's in those moments where you know you have an opportunity, who's with me, to speak life into your kids. I felt the weight of that conversation, and we don't know what to do as parents all the time, that's for sure, including myself, Uh, but we know that God is, is speaking and he's with us, and we ask questions, I ask questions like, do you think this is actually true or is this a lie? Like just straight up, is what you're feeling a lie? And you have, to, you have to get them to ask questions about what they're wrestling through instead of you trying to tell them everything about uh, fixing the moment. And we work through it. And the truth is, and you all know this, is that we are all loved. And we all have a ton of issues. And I, and I even said that. I said, you have all, all kinds of issues. And I'm happy to help you with those things. Um, but at the end of the day, you are loved by mom and dad, you are loved by your friends and your family, your siblings, and ultimately you are loved by God as you continue to get to know what that means and what that relationship can look like for your life. And these things got me thinking uh, through, this, through these days of, um, what if I wasn't there to have that conversation with my child? Because that type of narrative is happening all the time in all of us. Who's with me? For some, we have great places to, to vent and, and to speak freely and to, and to feel safe. But many people don't have that. What if in this moment, they would have internalized this lie? What if I would have uh, added to even some of that emotion and said, well, you just need to change your attitude and maybe people would like you more. I'm not immune to those moments either out of frustration when I'm so angry at them for doing what they do as children. But what if, what if that lie over time actually became truth, right? What if they started to believe these lies if they were to project them Through their life over the years, where those lies work themselves out into life's trajectory. Now the what if is is pretty loose because the what if is actually quite real for so many people. They actually portray the lies that they were told or that they believed at a young age, and it was manifesting in their 20s and 30s and 40s, 50s, and beyond. We see that, and we know people like that. All of us aren't immune. My guess is that this moment for my child, that if if they end up in a very different spot than then what we desire, that is, for me, a real moment of failure as a parent. None of us want that for our families, for our spouses, for our girlfriends, boyfriends, relate, like friendships. No matter who is special to us, we do not want to see them in a place where they are broken and believing lies about themselves. My point in all of this is what we believe, upon the screen here, about our identity and calling has all sorts of ramifications for who we do and do not become. For what we do and do not uh, do with our life. This is a very true statement. For my child, they are starting to go on a journey of discovery, identity, and calling. They're discovering what this looks like. In fact, all followers of Jesus are invited to go on this journey. But sadly, a lot of people never really get to that place of full understanding. I would argue that one of the key tasks of our apprenticeship or discipleship or relationship with Jesus is discovering our identity and calling. Now, this, again, is cliche in terms of of the words being used, but there's really no other way to explain it because scripturally it's right there. And identity in Christ is one of the most important things to understand as we journey with Jesus. And from there comes this incredible place of calling and understanding those places God is leading us. I'm not alone here. There's a few quotes I want to share with you this morning. Augustine in 400 AD in one of his famous books said, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Grant Lord, this is his famous prayer, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Mestier Eckhart said this in the 12th century, a German theologian, no one can know God who does not first know himself. Around that same time in Rome, a scholar named St. Catherine said, when we are who we are called to be, we will set the world ablaze. Again, in the 15th century, a Spanish mystic of sorts, St. Teresa, thought this was fascinating, of Avelia, said, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. Interesting to think about. And then I put a, a wonderful quote for Cody in here from John Calvin. Uh, whether you are a mystic in nature or you are you are whatever your theology is. That's why I'm kind of bringing a gamut of of thought here. He says this, Our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But these are connected together by many ties. It is not easy to determine which of the two proceeds and gives birth to the other. Very interesting. And then more recently, a Catholic monk, Thomas Merton, Beautiful soul says, for me to be a saint means to be myself. Therefore, the problem of sanctity and and salvation is, in fact, the problem of finding out who I am and of discovering my true self. My point in all of these quotes, just to give us something to think about, might be from someone who you would never glean from. But my point is this, that over the last millennium and a half, so many teachers of the way of Jesus say that self-awareness isn't just a self-help, therapeutic, emotional type of candy that we can grab, but it is a key part of our apprenticeship, our discipleship with Christ, self-awareness. Think about this for a moment, to pick on an easy target for, for just relatability today. How many pastors do you know, maybe personally or through um, through TV or, or online that have started churches and have grown them to hundreds and thousands they become mega churches they know the Bible back and forth they're well educated waking up every morning praying and, and and reading scripture but then at some point in that journey they implode and drag hundreds if not thousands of people down with them because all because they were blind to their shadow side. That's not a judgment. That's just a reality. Running from a father wound that went back to their childhood, their teenage years, decades old, leaving a trail of, uh, uh, of brokenness in their wake. This is happening all the time. To bring it even closer to home, how many couples or families do you know who had so much potential to make a life together? They were, I, I like the term power couples. As Cody. I think these two are a power couple, by the way, down here. Who? Anyone else agree? Hi, Janie. <laughs> well, I got distracted. How many do we know that had this Reality at the beginning, and that relationship or that marriage ended before it even got off the ground because they just did not know their inner beauty or inner brokenness. And you have to live in that tension or the beauty and the brokenness of your spouse or significant other. We have to understand it, live in it, and be self aware so we can get help and get healing. Let's bring it even closer to home for parents. How many of you know when you've missed it or parents that you know have missed it where they did not know their own identity and calling and so they were blind again to their shadow side where unhealth and immaturity, where a mother wound or a family of origin, brokenness, just leaked unhealth into the marriage, onto the children, siblings, friends, family. These are very real things and we know people like this, if not in our own connected, immediate family. Or they did not know the child's identity or the child's calling, so they ended up forcing that person, young person or whoever, into clothes that they were never meant to wear, figuratively speaking. It was so suffocating. And you got out, that child or that young adult got out as soon as they could. They turned to something different because what they were experiencing at home was nothing what was going on inside. What could have been never came to pass. These are pivotal years. Again, my point is this, that our self-awareness or lack of self-awareness has direct bearing on our relationship to to God. Our relationship to other people and our relationship to our own soul personally. I think... I can't think of a better summary of of the why behind this practice. There's an author, his name's Pete, and he says, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life, or at least someone else's expectations for us. This does violence to ourselves, our relationship with God, and ultimately to others. Strong words, but so, so true. This isn't just about self-awareness. It's actually about spiritual formation as well. Because when I go on the journey of self-discovery, a good bit of what I discover about myself is brokenness, not just beauty. It's both ends. And we become self-aware. We become aware of the good and the bad and the ugly in our soul. Church, that's a good thing. It's not something to be afraid of places where we are deeply wounded and need healing, places where we are messed up and maybe we're, we're a bit of a jerk at times when things are triggered in life and need we, where we need to get free from and grow and mature. This is why so many people never go on that journey of self-discovery because it's too much work. It's too scary. And they don't feel safe in the love of the Father because they... Never were introduced to the pure form of who God is. Because ironically, you have to feel safe in the love of the Father and ideally in the family in order to face your own shadow side. To have the courage to stand up knowing that you are loved and will be loved to something better than you are now. And instead, what happens is people live and they get stuck in this loop of unhealthy and toxic patterns. Like I said at the beginning, church, I am not immune to this. This is things that I fight often through seasons of life. Facing your shadow side is just the beginning of change. It's the beginning of healing and freedom and growth and maturity and ultimately spiritual formation from the inside out. Who's desiring that for their life? I hope all of us are. Because the beauty of formation, the beauty of following Jesus is that you actually become more unique. You become your true self, the best version of who God thought you up to be. The more you become more like Jesus, the more you become the true authentic self that God created you to be, period. Now, I know we've all heard this before, but I'm reminding you of how beautiful that actually is. And if you're stuck, may you consider these thoughts today for your life. So, Pastor Tim, this sounds awesome, but where are you getting this from? Like self-help books or, well, obviously from Scripture and self-help books too. All are great. Because there's maybe some skeptics in this room. And I want to take us on a journey just for a couple minutes here to some specific stories From Jesus. Let's start in Matthew chapter 3 together. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So many of us have heard this passage before. New Testament scholars argue about at what point did Jesus actually recognize his identity. You with me? Some say he always knew it right from birth because, because of his godly nature. Other scholars argue that it was maybe by the age of 12 when he was in the temple and he started communicating the way he did that there was a revelation of his, of his God and human nature all in one. Some say that it actually happened right here in this passage regardless of when it was, either way, this was a key moment for Christ in his journey of self-discovery. Heaven was open and the voice of God was manifested. These words, Son of God, that are used, it was almost like a, a moniker or a nickname that was used all through the Hebrew culture and the scriptures from Old Testament for the people of Israel. And then later on, Of course, we know that the Messiah is called the Son of God. All that to say, this is a statement, not just about Jesus' identity, but also what he was called to do. The two are joined at the hip. You and I live in a culture that just wants to talk about what we do, right? Right? vocation, what we're good at, what we've achieved, all of those things, where character doesn't really, really matter as long as you're producing, as long as there are signs of success around you by what you have or who you run with or what you've achieved. That is what we are living in. Often in the church, there's an overreaction to the other side where it's not about what you do, it's about who you Are And there's a ton of truth to that as well. We've heard the the funny saying, we are human beings, not human doings. I know that frustrates some of you in this room. Even me just saying that. But the church has tended to go that direction at times. I'll take you back to Genesis. I talked about this a few months ago. So that you may rule, the Bible says. There's a part of the doing that has a ton of value on calling and identity. Just remember that. You can't separate your being and your doing. It's, it's woven together. What you do flows out of who you are. They, they live in this almost like synchro, symbiotic relationship together. For Jesus, who was the Messiah, it also tied his calling to usher in the kingdom of God. That's what he was doing. And the same is true for you and I. Who we are and who we are not is tied to our calling. We are called and not called to do certain things, right? Everyone has a path, and that path is beautiful. And we're not called to do the same things that the person beside us are. But watch what happens next. Second story, or continuation. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If, there it is, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, Well, it is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's actually a line from the book of Deuteronomy. And then the devil took him to another place, the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of this temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And Christ responds, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not, Put the Lord your God to the test. It's almost like he was in poker terms. I see your Isaiah and I raise you Deuteronomy 6. <laughs> Any poker players here? You can put your hand up. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written. Excuse me, I need to back up. He said, again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world in splendor. All this I will give you if you worship me. Again, it's the exact opposite of Jesus' identity. And he said, away from me, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him to him. We've heard that passage before, but man... There is some powerful truth in what was taking place there. In this story, Jesus is tempted by Satan, but notice what he is tempted by. It's not, for lack of better words, sex, drugs, and, and, and money, and alcohol, and all things wonderful in, in, around us that we think will bring temporary satisfaction. It's not even to sin, per se, where he's tempting him in this moment. It's a temptation to hand over his identity and his calling and to settle for a status quo kind of life. That's what Satan's doing here. It's subtle, but that's what he's doing in all of our lives every single day. Did you hear me? It's a temptation to hand over identity and calling to to settle into a status quo kind of reality. Jesus was not only the only one to face this kind of temptation. If you want me to make it more more real for you and more relatable, let me show you another story in in, in John chapter 1 with John the Baptist. We read this in verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him. Notice this question here. Who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. He said, I am not the Messiah. And then they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah, he said? Well, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. And then finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? They kept pushing and pushing. And then John replied, in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, or even a prophet? Basically, why do you do what you do, John? Well, I was baptized with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me the straps of of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Notice that John is crystal clear about who he was, who he is, and who he is not. Do you see that? What he's called to and what he's not called to. That's very clear in his responses to the religious He had three no's, three no's for one yes. Messiah, no. Elijah, no. A prophet, no. Then who? I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Church, it's just as important to know who you are not as to know who you are. What you are not called to as to what you are called to. That's very important. Nope that's not me. Super confident in that. So here's my point. John's firm grasp on his identity and calling gave shape to his life and what he was able to achieve, bringing and making way for Jesus. One more story and I'll close. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, this is now in Matthew 16, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Here's that question over and over again. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the great prophets. There is a a bit of confusion here, but they say, but what about you, he asks, what do and who do you say I am? Notice, church, the seamless integration between self-knowledge and God-knowledge right here. He's pulling it out of his disciples as he's asking these questions. Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now as Protestants, which we are, I, for the most part in this room, we believe that when Peter was in this moment, when he said that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that Jesus is the rock, right? That he is the foundation of the church and what it is built on. All of this is true. There's Catholic theology and others that focus more on Peter in this moment. There's a lot to, to pull from. I don't have time for it today, but what's easy to miss here is this wor- the word Peter, the name Peter, which is Petros in Greek, literally means the rock, so not the rock that we know of today, and Dwayne Johnson, but maybe a similar status as the uh, statue as him. But there is a there's a beautiful moment that's happening here, and at the core, this is about Peter discovering his identity through Jesus and his calling. This moment gave shape to his life. He became the leader of the twelve when when Jesus transition. He then became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and a little while later, the church as a whole in the, in the regions. And later on, like Jesus, he was tempted to set it all aside. But unlike Jesus, what happened to Peter? He gave into temptation. I don't know this man. I don't know who he is. We all know that familiar story with the young girl. But of course... We know by scripture and by history that Peter found healing on the other side of this moment. Now, I'm giving you three examples this morning as we introduce this topic today. There's John the Baptist. There's Jesus of Nazareth. There's Peter who created so much strength for the the early church and helped develop an apostolic leadership. And there are hundreds more of examples that I could give through scripture. But in all three, the common denominator is very, very simple. They have to go on a journey to discover their identity and their calling. It just didn't happen. There was was a journey towards this. This is a part of what it means to follow Jesus. We are also invited, all of us, to go on that same journey of discovery. Many of you have been on that journey for for a lot of years. And I can't tell you how refreshing it is to sit with one of maturity in the faith. Where what manifests off their life is something so profound and so life-giving and full of courage and, and strength. And just this inclusivity of care and concern for the moment. That only comes from understanding identity and journey. I wrote it like this. This is a process. It's not an event. It does not happen overnight. So if you're feeling discouraged this morning, know that it's a process. And all Christ asks of us is that we say yes to discovery. There are key moments in this journey, but for, the, for most of us, it is a lifetime of learning and discovery. I close there today. Part two will be online this week. We will talk about a framework. There's this incredible thing, Dr. Bobby Clinton from Fuller Seminary. He talks about the seven stages of discovering your identity and calling. So we're going to unpack that, and if you want, chime in for about 20 minutes to le- listen to some of, of some practical thought and teaching that we can go after as we continue on this topic together. He did an exhaustive study of over 1,000 leaders in the kingdom of God from the Bible, the church history all over the world. Uh, who are alive and and have passed on. And his goal was to look for a pattern from thousands of men and women women and their journey. They go on with Jesus. And his results were uh, concluded with a yes, that there absolutely is uh, a lifetime of learning and discovery. But you need to tune in this week to hear the rest of the story. Let's stand together can bring the band up. These guys can get organized here. We've got about 20 minutes uh, to to just be together. We're going to do our our very best to conclude things, as I said, around 11, 11 11.05, and make space for all of you to, to be together. Don't run out. We've got some fresh donuts out there and coffee waiting for you. Stick around. Say hi. I've got some wonderful friends that showed up today, some uh, colleagues in the city, Jeremy and Matilda Keys, we love you guys. Can we just give, show our appreciation to these pastors? Um, incredible, incredible leaders. They are in a journey of, of transition and change in their lives as well. But uh, thanks for coming today and being a part of, of CLA. Uh, let's pray and we'll conclude this morning, Father. Again, we thank you for the just the eyes. Uh, for eyes to see and ears to hear this morning what you are saying to our hearts. Would you open us up to the things that matter the very most? We can get so distracted by words and perspectives and opinions that bombard our world every day through our phones, through TV, through radio, through conversation, but Lord, help us uh, to move past all of the noise and move directly towards what you are saying. We cannot have this all figured out in one message or one service. It is not an event, Lord, but it is a lifetime of discovery. And as we move through this over these weeks ahead, I pray that your heart would connect to our hearts in the most supernatural way. I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get out there. Let's be together. These guys are going to play for a little bit. If you just want to stay and soak, come down for some prayer, you're welcome to do so. God bless you. Enjoy this wonderful day. And I have to say this for my friend Tim. Go, England. Go. (laughs) Big game today at 1 p.m. Been waiting my whole life for this. Thank you, church.